Part 4 of The Edge of the Knife. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Giulio Marchini. The Edge of the Knife by H. Bean Piper. Part 4. He ate hastily and without enjoyment, and slipped through the kitchen and out the back door, cutting between two frat houses and circling back to Prescott Hall. On the way, he paused momentarily and chuckled. The reporters, unable to storm the faculty club, had gone off in chase of other game and had cornered Lloyd Whitburn in front of the administration center. They had a jeep with a sound camera mounted on it and were trying to get something for telecast. After gesticulating angrily, Whitburn broke away from them and dashed up the steps and into the building. A campus policeman stopped those who tried to follow. His only afternoon class was American History Three. He got through it somehow, though the class wasn't able to concentrate on the Reconstruction and the first election of Grover Cleveland. The halls were free of reporters, at least, and when it was over, he hurried to the library, going to the faculty reading room in the rear, where he could smoke. There was nobody there but old Max Potgeiter smoking a cigar, his head bent over a book. The medieval history professor looked up. Oh, hello, Chalmers. What the deuce is going on around here? Has everyone gone suddenly crazy? he asked. Well, they seem to think I have, he said bitterly. They do? Stupid of them. What's all this about some Arab being shot? I didn't know there were any Arabs around here. Not here. At Basra. He told Potgeiter what had happened. Well, I'm sorry to hear about that, the old man said. I have a friend at Southern California, Bellingham, who knew Halid very well, was in the Middle East doing some research on the Byzantine Empire. Halid was most helpful. Bellingham was quite impressed by him, said he was a wonderful man and a fine scholar. Why would anybody want to kill a man like that? He explained in general terms. Potgeiter nodded understandingly. Assassination was a familiar feature of the medieval political landscape, too. Chalmers went on to elaborate. It was a relief to talk to somebody like Potgeiter, who wasn't bothered by the present moment, but simply boycotted it. Eventually, the period bell rang. Potgeiter looked at his watch, as from conditioned reflex, and then rose, saying that he had a class and excusing himself. He would have carried a cigar with him if Chalmers hadn't taken it away from him. After Potgeiter had gone, Chalmers opened a book. He didn't notice what it was, and sat staring unseeing at the pages. So the moving knife edge had come down on the end of Halid ibn Hussein's life. What were the events in the next segment of time, and the segments to follow? There would be bloody fighting all over the Middle East, with consternation. He remembered that he had been talking about that to Potgeiter. The Turkish army would move in and try to restore order. There would be more trouble in northern Iran. The Indian communists would invade eastern Pakistan. And then the general war, so long dreaded, would come. How far in the future that was, he could not remember. Nor how the nuclear weapons stalemate that had so far prevented it would be broken. He knew that today, and for years before, Nobody had dared start an all-out atomic war. Wars, now, were marginal skirmishes, 
like the one in Indonesia, or the steady underground conflict of subversion and sabotage that had come to be called the subwar. And with the United States already in possession of a powerful lunar base, he wished he could remember how events between the murder of Khalid and a thirty days' war had been spaced chronologically. Something of that had come to him after the incidents in modern history four, and he had driven it from his consciousness. He didn't dare go home where the reporters would be sure to find him. He simply left the college at the end of the school day and walked without conscious direction until darkness gathered. This morning, when he had seen the paper, he had said and had actually believed that the news of the murder in Basra would put an end to the trouble that had started a month ago in the modern history class. It hadn't. The trouble, it seemed, was only beginning, and with the newspapers and Whitburn and Fitch, it could go on forever. It was fully dark now. His shadow fell ahead of him on the sidewalk, lengthening as he passed under and beyond a streetlight, vanishing as he entered the stronger light of the one ahead. The windows of a cheap café reminded him that he was hungry, and he entered, going to a table and ordering something absently. There was a television screen over the combination bar and lunch counter, some kind of a comedy program at which an invisible studio audience was laughing immoderately and without apparent cause. The roughly dressed customers along the counter didn't seem to see any more humor in it than he did. Then his food arrived on the table, and he began to eat without really tasting it. After a while, an alteration in the noises from the television penetrated his consciousness. A news program had come on, and he raised his head. The screen showed a square in an eastern city. The voice was saying, Basra, where Khalid ibn Hussein was assassinated early this morning, early afternoon local time. This is the scene of the crime. The body of the murderer has been removed, but you can still see the stones with which he was pelted to death by the mob. A close-up of the square, still littered with torn-up paving stones, a caliphate army officer displaying the weapon. It was an old M3. All right. Chalmers had used one of those things himself, thirty years before, and he and his contemporaries had called it a grease gun. There were some recent pictures of Halid, including one taken as he left the plane on his return from Ankara. He watched, absorbed. It was all exactly as he had remembered a month ago. It gratified him to see that his future memories were reliable in detail as well as generality. But the most amazing part of the story comes not from Basra, but from Branley College in California, the commentator was saying, where it is revealed the murder of Halid was foretold with uncanny accuracy a month ago by a history professor, Dr. Edward Chalmers. There was a picture of himself in hat and overcoat, perfectly motionless, as though a brief moving glimpse were being prolonged. A glance at the background told him when and where it had been taken, a year and a half ago, at a convention at Harvard. These telecast people must save up every inch of old news film they ever took, there were views of Blandley campus and interviews with some of the modern history four boys, including Dacker and Kenrick. That was one of the things they'd been doing with that jeep-mounted sound camera this afternoon, then. The boys, some brashly, some embarrassedly, were substantiating the fact that he had, a month ago, described yesterday's event in detail. 
there was an interview with Leonard Fitch, the psychology professor, was trying to explain the phenomenon of precognition in layman's terms and making heavy going of it, and there was the mobbing of Whitburn in front of administration center. The college president was shouting denials of every question asked him, and as he turned and fled, the guffaws of the reporters were plainly audible. An argument broke out along the counter. I don't believe it. How could anybody know all that about something before it happened? Well, you heard that there, Professor. What was his name? And you heard all them boys. Ah, college boys. They'll do anything for a joke. After refusing to be interviewed for telecast, the president of Blandley College finally consented to hold a press conference in his office from which telecast cameras were barred. He denied the whole story categorically and stated that the boys in Professor Chalmers' class had concocted the whole thing as a hoax. There, see what I told you? Stating that Professor Chalmers is mentally unsound and that he has been trying for years to oust him from his position on the Blandley faculty but has been unable to do so because of the provisions of the Faculty Tenure Act of 1963. Most of his remarks were in the nature of a polemic against the law generally regarded as the college professor's bill of rights it is to be stated here that other members of the blandley faculty have unconditionally confirmed the fact that dr chalmers did make the statements attributed to him a month ago long before the death of halid ibn hussein yeah how about that now how are you gonna get around that beckoning the waitress he paid his check and hurried out before he reached the door, he heard a voice, almost stuttering with excitement. Hey, look, that's him. He began to run. He was two blocks from the cafe before he slowed to a walk again. That night, he needed three shots of whiskey before he could get to sleep. A delegation from the American Institute of Psionics and Parapsychology reached Blandley that morning, having taken a stratoplane from the East Coast. They had academic titles and degrees that even Floyd Whitburn couldn't ignore. They talked with Leonard Fitch and with the students from Modern History 4, and took statements. It wasn't until after General European History 2 that they caught up with Chalmers, an elderly man with white hair and a ruddy face, a young man who looked like a heavyweight boxer, a middle-aged man in tweeds who smoked a pipe and looked as though he ought to be more interested in grouse shouting and flower gardening than in clairvoyance and telepathy. The names of the first two meant nothing to Chalmers. They were important names in their own field, but it was not his field. The name of the third, who listened silently, he did not catch. You understand, gentlemen, that I'm having some difficulties with the college administration about this, he told them. President Whitburn has even gone so far as to challenge my fitness to hold a position here. We've talked to him, the elderly man said. It was not a very satisfactory discussion. President Whitburn's fitness to hold his own position could very easily be challenged, the young man added pugnaciously. Well, then, you see what my position is. I've consulted my attorney, Mr. Vile, and he has advised me to make absolutely no statements of any sort about the matter. I understand, the eldest of the trio said, but we're not the press or anything like that. We can assure you that anything you tell us will be absolutely confidential. He looked inquiringly at the middle-aged man in tweeds who nodded silently. 
we can understand that the students in your modern history class are telling what is substantially the truth. If you're thinking about that hoax statement of Whitburn's, that's a lot of idiotic drivel, he said angrily. I heard some of those boys on the telecast last night. Except for a few details in which they were confused, they all stated exactly what they heard me say in class a month ago. And we assume, again he glanced at the man in Swedes, that you had no opportunity of knowing anything at the time about any actual plot against Halid's life? The man in Tweeds broke silence for the first time. You can assume that. I don't even think this fellow in the Reed knew anything about it then. Well, we'd like to know, as nearly as you're able to tell us, just how you became the percipient of this knowledge of the future event of the death of Halid ibn Hussein, the young man began. Was it through a dream or a waking experience? Did you visualize or have an auditory impression? Or did it simply come into your mind? I'm sorry, gentlemen, he looked at his watch. I have to be going somewhere at once. In any case, I simply can't discuss the matter with you. I appreciate your position. I know how I'd feel if the data of historical importance were being withheld from me. However, I trust that you will appreciate my position and spare me any further questioning. That was all he allowed them to get out of him. They spent another few minutes being polite to one another. He invited them to lunch at the faculty club, and learned that they were lunching there as Fitch's guest. They went away trying to hide their disappointment. The psionics and parapsychology people weren't the only delegation to reach Blandley that day. Enough of the trustees of the college lived in the San Francisco area to muster a quorum for a meeting the evening before. A committee including James Dacker, the father of the boy in Modern History 4, was appointed to get the facts at first hand. They arrived about noon. They talked to some of the students, spent time closeted with Whitburn, and were seen crossing the campus with the parapsychology people. They didn't talk to Chalmers or Fitch. In the afternoon, Marjorie Fenner told Chalmers that his presence at a meeting to be held that evening in Whitburn's office was requested. The request, she said, had come from the trustees' committee, not from Whitbert. She also told him that Fitch would be there. Chalmers promptly phoned Stanley Weil. I'll be there along with you, the lawyer said. If this trustees' committee is running it, they'll realize that this is a matter in which you are entitled to legal advice. I'll stop by your place and pick you up. You haven't been doing any talking, have you? He described the interview with the psionics and parapsychology people. That was all right. Was there a man with a mustache in a brown tweed suit with them? Yes, I didn't catch his name. It's Cutler. He's an army major, central intelligence. His crowd's interested in whether you had any real advance information on this. He was in to see me just a while ago. I have the impression he'd like to see this whole thing played down. So he'll be on our side, more or less, and for the time being. I'll be around to your place about eight. In the meantime, don't do any more talking than you have to. I hope we can get this straightened out this evening. I'll have to go to Reno in a day or so to see a client there. End of Part 4 Recording by Giulio Marchini The Edge of the Knife by H. Bean Piper